parents in the pursuit of finding as much support for you as possible every now and then uh, as I reach out to on, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, uh, being out there, having Beyond Risk and Back be as successful as it is, I sometimes get gold dropped in my lap. And today is one of those days. I'm so glad you've joined us this week on Beyond Risk and Back. ConsciousParentingRevolution.com is a website I was introduced to about a week and a half ago when a woman reached out and said, found you on LinkedIn, you need to talk to Catherine. And so I did, as always, some background uh, research on Catherine. Uh, it seems that we're both Gen X parents. We both got kids in their 20s. Uh, and we have spent so much time and energy trying to make sure that you, as a parent of a teenager who's struggling, has as many resources, blogs, videos, podcasts, interviews as possible so that you can ultimately avoid the high-end cost of recovery. Look, we know as parenting professionals when your child has hit the threshold and we can say to you honestly, your child needs to go to a residential program. It is the last door. Residential treatment is the last door but before the gates of hell because the gates of hell are jails and the morgue. That's what comes after if you skip residential treatment. Institutions, that's what it's called in recovery. Institutions, jails, and death. Well, I run an institution, and I want to help you avoid having to send your kid to an institution. And in doing so, we need to continually increase the amount of resources you have to help your family get the ounce of prevention rather than just wait around for the pound of cure. And today we have a gold nugget of prevention. Uh, this is this is Catherine Winter Celery. Uh, Catherine uh, is going to talk to you about when you get into consequence mode, when you get into punitive punishment mode, because your child's acting like a fool. Right, the risky choices, the risky behavior, not the bad choices, we've talked about that, but when they're making the risky choices and the dangerous behaviors, and then we get angry and we go into consequence mode, Catherine's gonna help us stay away from three huge things. So ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for joining us on Beyond Risk and Back. My guest today is Catherine Winter Celery. Catherine, thank you so much for being on a guest just in her short time before we went on the air already so much agreed upon. So thank you for being on Beyond Risk and Back. Oh gosh, Aaron, it is such a pleasure to be here. Your passion moves me, truly. I'm stirred. I'm just like, oh God, I'm so thankful that you live and breathe. Thank and you. That you have dedicated your life to um, caring for and supporting the same people that I care about and support. And yeah, I'm just I don't know how we got here, but I sure am thankful. Well, let's so, talk, let's talk about, gratitude. thank you. Let's talk about what here is for you because, mm. you know, you, you've got websites, you've got parenting workshops, you've got downloadable books, you've got your Facebook mm -hmm. page going, like there's, there's a lot happening. How mm. did you go from being mom professional mm. to being out there on the front lines, trying to help as many parents as possible? Yeah. You know, my, I have two children. My son is 25 and my daughter is just turned 21 recently. And the, um, 
the the road started about 23 years ago. I remember my husband and I just kind of looking at each other like deer in headlights, like, what do we do now? Um, You know, we started to just have behaviors that we knew needed some sort of response and we had no clue what that would be. So we knew the old kind of stuff that had happened to us and that's all over the place, but it didn't resonate in us. The Dr. Spock. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know, it doesn't the, the, stop the working. naughty chair, yeah. one, two, three magic, go to your room. You know, all that stuff just didn't feel good. It just didn't yeah. feel good. Yeah. So we needed to find another approach to discipline. We had no clue what that was going to be. So we went on a search And, um, you know, at the time I was a commodities trader and we were living in Hong Kong and my husband's an architect. And the last thing in the world that occurred to me to do for the next 25 years would be what I'd been doing for the next 25 years. It turned out (laughs) I tripped into my passion. Right. My passion turned out to be communication, um, problem um, solving, conflict resolution with children and creating ecosystems where I felt good about providing the guidance that was needed in so many different situations. Goodness knows there could be 50 a day where something is required that wasn't about the use of consequences. I mean, you picked up on it right away, right there. This thing about the use of consequences has become the modality. And without knowing anything at the time, over the years, what I've learned is I got to study with some of the greats and learn about the dynamics that are generated when we use consequences. So you, this power over thing. Yeah. You you talked about something just a minute ago, uh, and, and it's something I bring up often, and I wanna I wanna take a, a breath to go into it because you talked about the system, creating a creating a new ecosystem. The yeah. philosophy that we have been promoting is that there is no such thing as a broken child. There's mm. broken systems, and children are are mm. experiencing systemic uh, they're they're experiencing expressing the results of systemic failures. And if parents, political systems, school systems, neurological Mm. systems, environmental systems, if Mm. those aren't repaired, we're not going to see much of a change in child evolution and development as long as the system's broken. So talk about this ecosystem that you started to address. Yeah. So I do see it as an ecosystem. And I, you know, I work with lots of parents and families and kids and Um, And I do trainings. And when I'm working with all of it, I talk about transgenerational trauma and I talk about unconscious patterns and I talk about us living under spells and that we don't even know what we don't know. And the spell was cast long before we were conscious of it being cast over us. And these are patterns of communications and their dynamics. And there are beliefs that we have that, well, you don't even realize we have, but we're living into all of it unconsciously. In fact, I've done three TED Talks, and one of them is on surviving unconscious parenting, which I certainly, I would say I was not only a survivor of, but I was also an unconscious parent and unconsciously parenting. All of us, there's there's no shame in that. And, And there's nobody to blame and there is no fault and there's no reason to feel guilty. And yet we all feel guilty and we feel like it's our fault and we're ashamed of ourselves. And And boy, if that isn't a spiral that I just want to pull out right at the beginning, because if, you know, if you're a parent, (laughs) you're going to feel guilty and ashamed and like, it's all my fault and oh my God and all of that. And I can just say, no, it's not. And, you know, yes, harm is done and there is responsibility that needs to be taken 
But goodness gracious, please, self-compassion just needs to be dosed to everyone. You know, I'm going to sprinkle it around because everybody's doing their best, even though sometimes it's disaster. Nobody went into this um, wanting to ever do harm or make a mistake. And I guess uh, the clemency is in spite of ourselves, we do. And, uh, and then we just start learning and we just start cleaning it up and we just start, you know, giving ourselves a lot of love and compassion and seeing everyone beautiful. So that's my big message is to see your children beautiful and to see yourself beautiful so that we can recover from this sense of shame. Like, Oh, I feel like it just, it just is poison in the well. And once we move past that, we can start doing all the repair. We run into this constantly. I just, I just taught a, a, a parent weekend, one of our workshops where we do massive intervention on parenting tactics and techniques, starting the whole process by saying everything you did, did two things. Number one, it kept your kid alive. So good job. And number two, it got you here. So if yeah. we're going to move away from survival and here, Got to make some changes. Is everybody in? And of course yeah. everybody is. But then we start saying things like we need to reframe the language. We need to use strength-based mm -hmm. conversation around our children. We need to stop calling them Diablo and start calling them spirit. And mm -hmm. how then the parents start to look at us cross-eyed to say... So I get the phone call in the middle of my work day where I'm trying to keep my business afloat that I got to go pick up my kid because they just got thrown out of school for ditching class, got caught with a bag of weed on them. Now they're getting expelled and they're going to be home. And I'm supposed to see them as beautiful when yeah. we've had this conversation 12 times and my child is now mm. on their fourth suicide attempt and my insurance company mm. is saying they're ready to come home and they're in an acute unit and I'm supposed to just suddenly stop and reframe. And mm. forgive myself for having mm. a crappy divorce and like like mm. the pile versus mm. the mm. the picture that you and I try to paint. <laughs> How do we get parents from uh, this bless, is so painful? Blessings. It's so <laughs> painful, right? I mean, I just I ache. Um, I just ache. I don't sleep. I, I understand I, it. Yeah. yeah. I don't sleep. I don't eat. I, I, yeah. I, I have three other children. Yeah. And I'm supposed to look at this being and say, this is a beautiful, perfect moment. How yeah. do I do that? How I do I get you. into it's, that? It's, it's, you know, it's so hard. I, I certainly can understand that. I studied with Marshall Rosenberg, the founder for the Center for Nonviolent Communication. Of course. Of course I know Marshall very well. Do you know Marshall? I know his work very, very well. Yeah. And I had the pleasure of knowing him as well. And oh my goodness, it was like sitting at the feet of a giant. Yeah. Um, Marshall used to talk about giraffe consciousness and jackal consciousness. <laughs> and he used to say giraffes, you know, have this, they're the largest hearted mammal on the planet. Their heart is 75 pounds. Right. And if you can adopt the consciousness of the giraffe, you can't help but think through your heart. You can't help but hear through your heart. You can't help but look at everything with the eyes of compassion. The consciousness of the jackal is to look at it with judgment. The consciousness of the giraffe is to look at it with love. And, you know, children need our compassion the most when they seem to deserve it the least. I talk about it as tragic expressions of unmet needs, drowning behaviors, and that no one drowns politely. So once we accept that when people are drowning, it's messy do we then step back and say, until you learn how to drown politely, I'm not getting in my little dinghy boat and going out to pull you out. 
No, we never do that. We recognize this is a, this is, oh my God, get the lifeguard, you know, get in your little dinghy boat and you row out there and you pull them out and you put them in, you give them a little CPR and, and you support them so that they stay alive. And, you know, we don't tend to find that teaching drowning lessons in the middle of someone drowning does anything. Right. So why in the world would we think that that's our moment to go into a lecture? <laughs> it's the wrong time. Right. Right, right, right. <laughs> of course you want to. I mean, it's natural and you want to kill them yeah. um, at the same time as you want to be sure they're safe. So it's all happening at once and it's all going on in here. And it's so hard to manage um, that the only answer, in my opinion, is compassion for self and other and and skill up get the skills you need. And in the midst of it, you get to choose the world you're going to live in. You can choose this world where you want to jackal them to death and you want to judge and you want to be punitive. And you can choose this world, which is the ecosystem that I'm promoting, which is the world of compassion and looking at the whole darn thing as compassion. And yes, your children need you the most. They need your compassion the most when they appear to deserve it the least. If we know that people don't drown politely, then we stop waiting for them to do it politely before we give them the spirit of support. We just kind of, Marshall used to say, just never listen to the words people say. Let's start there. Just never listen to those words because they're just going to get you in a fight. See past them. See what's underneath them. Connect with that. And so, you know, we have all kinds of conversations in our lives. There's the one that's going on in here, my internal dialogue. And that is one of the conversations that I get to start shepherding differently. And then there's the one I have out here between me and others. And so this one is almost always determined by the one I'm having here first. So let's start with the internal conversations we have. Do we jackal ourselves? Do we turn those, you know, horrible things that we're thinking about others onto ourselves? Have we started with that? Probably is my guess. We're already in self-criticism. We're already just coming down so hard on ourselves. And this is why I start with self-compassion, because I know that there's a part of you that's beating you up. And, um, and if you merge with that part, you begin to think it's true. And so be with it, but don't become identified with it. So I do a lot of inner dialogue work where we begin to establish an internal ecosystem within each other so that we can also be present to what's coming up. We don't want to deny it or pretend it's not there, but we don't want to merge with it either and begin to lose our identity and thinking this is who I am. You... Uh, have have now begun to allude to to one of the key pieces because if we don't do uh, uh, the the self compassion and and it's, it's again the more experts I interview the more I recognize that the experts are in agreement which ultimately the parents are going to hear a consistent message at mm. the end of every podcast that I have done 178 episodes now. I say, Mm. take care of yourself first, your adult relationship second, your children third. Mm. Parent experts say, put on your own mask first, then put on your child's mask. I just heard recently, you cannot give your child a drink from your empty cup. Like I love over and over, you hear this self-compassion before you have compassion for others. Yeah. Now we're starting to get into the key because if we are not able, willing, capable Mm. of doing self-compassion, self-care first, Mm. 
we immediately go into consequence mode. And you mm. indicated earlier that when you're in the middle of the screaming, you know, the parent who hasn't you slept has not swimming lessons, right? How in the middle of drowning, how do you teach a swimming lesson? Yeah. And we're now saying to parents, if you can take this exact concept, your child, mm -hmm. you've just picked them up in the principal's office. Mm -hmm. They've been expelled. They've got a ticket. Uh, this mm. is their second ticket. So diversion's not going to happen this time. They're going to have to face the judge. Mm. And you found more than one bag of pot. You found four. So now, you know, your kid's dealing mm. is now really a good time to talk about consequences. Like mm. is your child going to learn mm. anything from your brilliant mm. logical lecture of why being a drug dealer is wrong? Mm. You know, this is, yeah. So let's talk about why consequences fail. This is something that you and I started yeah. to bring up at the beginning. Right. And you used so, three terms, like the three yeah, R's. Talk about that for R's. a second. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is, this is why consequences are not effective. They activate retaliation, rebellion, and resistance. It's called the three R's. And Thomas Gordon talks about this and was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize three times. These are not just ideas, do it, do they, don't they? This is well-researched. When you use a controlling form of discipline, you activate retaliation, rebellion, and resistance. And then Dr. Louise Porter found in her research that when you've activated the three R's, you then spend 75% of your time managing these, what we call secondary issues. So whatever the primary problem had been once upon a time, I, I, who, who knows? But all we know now is we spend all of our time in the world of the secondary problems because we activated the three R's. Now we have rebellion, retaliation, resistance. They're everywhere. And I spend all my time then managing those, also using a controlling form, which then, I mean, you can see exponentially before yeah. you know it, all you're swimming in is the three R's. You completely lost your way. So what I find is that parents who have been using controlling forms of discipline, activating the three R's, they've created all of the retaliation, the rebellion, and the resistance, and not even known they did it. And they keep thinking there's something wrong with my child, as opposed to, oh my gosh, did I activate the three R's by using a controlling form of discipline well, to is, solve a problem over there? Yeah. Let's talk about some examples of the controlling form of discipline. Currently, I knowing the, my listeners, the voice mm -hmm. that's in their head it shares my, <laughs> my head. So I know the questions mm -hmm. they're going to ask, and that is, what do you mean? But, but the only example that I am currently coming up with mm -hmm. is... If I'm screaming at my child because mm. they um, got busted for shoplifting, they're mm. not thinking about shoplifting or the mm. natural consequence of shoplifting. They're focusing on my screaming and the fact that I'm mm. being a jerk, right? But mm. you're actually talking about if you use these kinds of consequences, mm. you're activating something that mm. is going to take 75% of your time. What are you talking about? I'm talking about um, your, you know, let's take a simple example. You know, I really want you to clean up your room. Right. And, um, and, or pick up the table or, you know, chip in and do the chores or just some of the day-to-day -day stuff that we usually do in our families. And you've asked over and over again, and you're getting infuriated and you're like, okay, look, if you don't do what I say, I'm taking away your phone. Right. 
and um, or you can't watch TV or you can't play the game or you can't have somebody over. I mean, all of those kinds of things that we do, thinking that we can force them by making them um, want the thing we're taking away so badly that they'll change their behavior and do what we want. Isn't so, scarcity a punishment? Isn't and again, re- remember we're we're talking to each other. We know these answers, but I want the I want the parents' voice heard. Isn't yeah. isn't limiting reward uh, effective? Isn't creating scarcity because of risky choices effective? How so, come it's making so their it's psyche? I mean, you know, I guess the question becomes: What does effective mean? Yeah. Do you want them to just stop doing something? If that's what you call effective, then, okay, maybe you can get them to stop that moment doing what it is or to do what you want them to do. I mean, if all you're looking for is that one change in behavior in that instant, then possibly you could do some of these things I'm saying not to do and get the thing you want in the instant. But the real issue is, are you getting it for the reasons you want? (sighs) So, so it's always a test. So test number one, did I get a change in behavior? Yes. Okay. Test number two, did I get it for the reasons I want? No, (laughs) I got it because they're, they're afraid of me. Um, so I'm not, and not only did I get it out of the fear, I also got with it, the resentment, the retaliation and the rebellion. So I got it, but I paid a huge price for it. And it wasn't from within for the reasons I wanted and activated the three R's. And I can guarantee you are in a much worse situation than you were by not getting it. Parents really forget that (laughs) there is after about 14 years old, your emotions aren't leverage anymore. I get that, you know, and, and, and when you have a teenager and you're like, don't you do that? And they're like, don't point at me. You're being a bitch. And you're like, don't call me a bitch. And then they scream louder and say something worse. Exactly. And you're like, wait and a the second. The whole thing becomes about the bitch. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And you used so to be able really to snap is. and point and they would go to their room <laughs> and now you snap and point, they mimic you and then swish away yeah. out the front door and drive away. And you're like, and it can happen long before 14. So if you have an <laughs> autonomous child. It can happen at three, four, five. They can already start to draw a little line in the sand and stare you right down and push right back. So, you know, depending on the demeanor of the child, like I talk about, if you have a belonger, their sense of self-esteem and feeling good about themselves is really about the fact that you're feeling okay with them. So they feel happy and, oh, yay, mom or dad is happy with me. I feel good about me. Now, an autonomous child is prepared to risk that in order to be self-directed. And that is not disrespect, although most people... It looks like it. it. It's dressed like disrespect. They feel like it's disrespectful, but actually it's self-respecting that I have my own self-determination. So if you look at that child's no as a yes to something inside of themselves, then you can shift the whole conversation to curiosity about, I wonder what they're saying yes to. And then you enter into a conversation around their yes, as opposed to the no to you. If I can't um, limit, restrict, ground, Mm. um, isolate, Mm. uh, what do I have left? What is is Mm. actually a consequence if my 
my child who said they would do a half hour of video games and then get on the homework and no one else can use the internet because they're sucking up all the, mm, and, and yeah. And then four hours later, when I tell them they said three and a half hours or they get off, they lose their freaking mind. Like I've just removed mm. heroin, which both you and I know what's going on. Brain chemistry, neurologically. Mm, the same. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, and I'm not allowed to, I, what do I do? What are my options? If I, mm. I'm human, I'm pissed. Mm. Mm. I'm terrified that they're not going to go to school tomorrow and they're going to fail, which means they won't get into college, which means they won't get a job, which means I can't move out, which means I can't eat, which means they're going to die. Right. I, I draw it all yeah. the way to life yeah. and limb, even though right now, I just right. want them to do what I say. <laughs> oh, we've all been there. Of course. You know, it's just so course. true. We've all been there. But what am I so, left with? You know, I, I know when people are in triage, it's hard to create an upstream model. <laughs> um, so, you know, <laughs> I, I, I can understand because I like to create an upstream model to create different downstream outcomes. Right. And an upstream model is based in trust. Right. And an upstream model is based in harmony and connection and people doing things out of consideration for one another, right. not because they have to. So when I talk about this stuff like rewards and punishments and consequences and doing stuff to people, because we know that that's ineffective and it activates the three R's and we spend all our time in that land, we, we don't create shifts in behavior using that modality because it's ineffective. Right. And we pay such a high price for it. And by the time you get done, nobody likes one another. And the reason you had the children in the first place, you just begin to think, why did I have this child? You know? So all the love that you were thinking would be between you and your little one and has grown up into a nightmare. So we have to get upstream and the upstream is acknowledging, oh my goodness, somewhere down the line, I activated the three R's somewhere down the line, we had a breakdown and I'm trying to create a new ecosystem so that people can start to begin to be responsible for themselves and make choices because they want to, not because of what I'm going to do to them. So, you know, intrinsically, there's this issue around external versus internal locus of causality. You know, what does that mean? It means, do I do things and change my behavior from within or do I do it because of what people do to me? So if you've been using that because of what I'm going to do to you approach, you've had what we call an external locus, which is that people change behavior based on what other people do to them. And, and you get them tuned into the outside world when reality is that people change their behavior on the basis of whether their needs are met or not met. And if we have a deep understanding of needs then we also begin to see the signaling behavior, the stuff we don't like, as the manifestation of the unmet need that appears in this behavior, in that behavior. And, and once we begin to read the signs, I call them breadcrumbs, then we don't necessarily get upset about the way they're presenting, but we recognize it's a breadcrumb. Boom. Oh, my gosh. Something inside this child is unmet and they don't know how to meet it. Not only they don't know how to meet their needs, they didn't even know what their needs were. And, and they don't recognize that their feelings come from whether the needs are met or not met because they're stuck in the world of blame. So when you think that the things outside of you are responsible for how you feel, you become concerned about manipulating the outside world to change how you're feeling. Right. As opposed to recognizing, oh my gosh, 
the power is within. <laughs> I can change how I'm feeling and what I'm what I'm doing with my own behavior and be accountable regardless of what anybody outside of me is up to. What what's so important about what you just said is that, you know, depending on which model of needs we're talking about. For for us, we talk about uh, freedom, power, safety, connection, and worth. Like those are those are the 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 human needs, five basic human needs that everything is an expression of need. Nothing is left out of that equation. Every action, behavior, word, the fact that you and I are on a podcast together, we are meeting power, connection, freedom, safety, or worth. One of those needs. And what when parents start to understand that smoking pot meets needs, that cutting and self-harm meets needs, that yeah. suicidal ideation meets needs. We start to think about our children f- with our prefrontal cortex, <laughs> with that we yeah. are no longer in survival mode because why, why are our children doing this? They're doing yeah. this because what is what they're doing is meeting a need. And the payoff of that action is higher than the cost. Until the cost is so big, they change their mind. And that's human behavior. Yeah. That's psychology 101. Totally, yeah. So so, so now we're back into it. And, and I hear what you're saying. And I know that parents get this. I know that you're saying, okay, my mm-hmm. kid got busted today and me giving consequences from this place of fear, mm-hmm. um, of stress, of anxiety, they're not going to be the best thing. I will not come up with my best parenting moments from <laughs> this position I'm in. We know we right. can delay. We know we can delay consequences. Parents don't like Mm -hmm. to because there's some need that gets Mm -hmm. met when we start screaming at our child in the moment, Mm -hmm. right? Connection, Mm -hmm. power, Mm -hmm. one of those. Mm -hmm. But now if we're talking about a teenager, we're talking about a parent who's come on to this show because they see the the title of the show, uh, mm. uh, rebellion, retaliation, and res- and resentment, resistance. Uh, why yeah. consequences don't work? And they're like, mm-hmm. okay, so my consequences are working. And they're hearing you and I saying, mm. um, you got to go back farther than this moment that you're tied mm. up in with your kid. Mm. So what do we yeah. do? Let's say the parent goes, okay, you're right. I'm going to yeah. let this this experience go and play the long game. Yeah. What are mm-hmm. my steps when I back mm-hmm. up? What are, what are the first yeah. three things I got to do when I step back and go, okay, I'm not caught up yeah. in the moment. I'm actually in my parenting brain. <laughs> what do I do now? Right. Well, you know, I, I usually start by repairing the relationship and developing trust. And so it does. And, you know, we get to pick when we solve our problems. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. (laughs) We get to pick. So I always, I mean, with the parents that I coach, I say, you know, you can solve this problem long before it happens because you know it's coming down the pike. So I use the example of, you know, if you've got a young family and you're getting on an airplane and going on a trip and everybody gets on the plane and and you're going towards your seats and this is the first time you talk about who's going to get the aisle seat. Really? Are we just going to start talking (laughs) about that now? So now with 750 people behind you, your family's going to have a conversation about, but no, I want the aisle seat. So, I mean, we can inconvenience 750 people and have that conversation as we're walking down the aisle on the airplane, or we could have had it three days ago and sorted it all out before we got anywhere near the airport. Hey, you guys, we're taking a flight. I know everybody likes the aisle seat. Can we work this out now? Because I don't want to inconvenience 750 people while our family has a conversation about who gets the aisle A seat. conversation <laughs> in front of 750 people. Yeah, 
right? So we can pick where we solve our problems and we don't have to wait until we're drowning. So I would, I would literally take a step back and I would look at my flashpoints and what are they? So you brought up video games and getting a child off video games. That's very commonly difficult. And the problem with external motivators is that A, they don't work and B, the person who has to change their behavior isn't outside of them. <laughs> right. The person who has to change their behavior is the one that's sitting across from you and they have to change their behavior. Right. So you can do all kinds of stuff around them and continue to cultivate this idea that other people make them think or feel or make decisions. But I think it's a bad plan. I think the better plan is that from the get-go, you begin to recognize that you don't make other people feel, think, or do anything. They are responsible for their feelings, their thinking, and their doing, as are you. So let's start modeling it and start being responsible and not use words like, you make me crazy, or look what you're doing to me, you're turning my hair gray, or you're this, you're that, you're the other thing. We call that whole world the world of you messages. They're extremely ineffective and they activate defensiveness. So, I mean, if we start just picking through all the mistakes we make, like our lives are littered with them. And I can guarantee pretty much everybody has had modeled for them the wrong way. And, you know, all kinds of lies about you make me feel. The whole world seems to be, you know, thinking that one's popular, you know, get the Mercedes with the convertible top and you'll feel great. I mean, everything in our advertising is about other things make me feel they're responsible for my internal ecosystem. Not that I'm responsible for my internal ecosystem and I can have a relationship to whatever's going on inside of me. There seems to be leverage on this right now with even in our country and whether or not you and I disagree politically, um, what, what everybody is agreeing on is that politically we are so divided because everybody's expecting the other to change. Like, yeah. like, and that's the, if then, if only yeah. they would, then I could be happy. Yeah. Our family could be free. If they would stop cutting, then I could get some sleep. If they would stop running, then I could. Yeah. And Aww. that is, there is no path to happiness that way. No. Because again, that is a systemic Results and if you don't address the system, and that's what you're talking about, you're talking about addressing the Mm. system, talking about who gets the aisle seat a week before (laughs) the airplane is front loading the conversation when no one's activated. Exactly. So we have to kind of just sit back, make our list of the flashpoints, and when we're not in them, we can talk about them. Right. And and presumably there'll be more bandwidth for the conversation. That doesn't mean that you can bring up something that's sensitive and someone won't end up going into reactivity. They they may still react and you may need to pivot. But pivoting is when people are in reaction, if you bring up a sensitive topic and they already start flying off the handle, if you have enough breath and you have enough space, you're able to see that this is someone who's already starting to drown. And the best thing to help them regulate their nervous system is being able to listen to what they're not saying. So something along the lines of, you know, an active listening or reflective listening model, which I'm guessing you probably teach all your parents. Yeah. Yeah. MVE. So, Mere validate empathize. That's, that's our big listening. Yeah, model. precisely. That's the same thing I would say. And so when you're doing that, you're connecting to what they're feeling and what, what, I do is I also connect it to what the underlying unmet need is. 
so that there's that reinforcement that the way they're feeling is a result of that this need not being met. And so they're already anticipating their need for fun, relaxation, connection, I'm guessing, if it's an online game. All of those needs aren't going to be met if you start restricting. So by having the conversation and they're already activated, even though you're not in the problem zone, it gives you a chance because they're not currently doing all of the behaviors that upset you. You can say, I get it. This is really hard for you because it's how you have fun. It's how you connect. It's how you relax. It's how um, your nervous system just really copes. And if you say that back to them, then all of a sudden I'm guessing they're going to relax because they feel understood. It's going to give them a little bit more staying in the conversation ability. And what you want is you want to keep them in the conversation as long as possible. So being able to see their side, it's called perspective taking. And the more you can reflect back what's going on inside of them, it's, you know, my current like favorite sort of model for this is I use an envelope a lot um, in my conversations with parents. And I'm like, you know, if your child's giving you this, this letter and it's all about what's going on inside of them, but they're doing it in a visual experience and you don't know you get the mail and you open it up and you pull it out and you're like, Oh wow, this is a little bit perplexing. I see you're, you're just really upset and I'm not sure, but it seems like it's that you're already thinking I'm trying to restrict your usage. Is that right? Are you upset? Cause you think I'm trying to control you. And then that person could feel like, Oh, the letter I sent them, they got it. They got it. And the minute they feel like you opened it and opened and read it, then, Oh my God, I don't have to keep sending the letter. Over. Right. <laughs> Otherwise, people have to keep sending the same darn letter over and over and over again because we never opened it. Even if the child, let, let's say the child doesn't grok the, the whole empathy thing where you're saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that you might feel that I'm trying to limit your behaviors and your values by asking you to stop playing video games based on a pre-agreed time and agreed upon time. And it makes sense to me that you would be this upset because you're, you must be doing very well right now or not doing well and are trying to recover and strategize. So it makes sense to me that you're this upset whether or not the child is like, Oh mother, you understand me. Thank you so much. You're so wise or I got because they're still offline. The key here is that the parent is back online and mm -hmm. they're not screaming at a child. And I want to say those last three, four words again, screaming mm -hmm. at a child. And mm -hmm. that's the part where, as I really got to understand NVC mm -hmm. is, is that these, these power struggles, love and logic, they, they hit that one home. Like they are saying, why would you get into a power struggle with a teenager? Like, no, seriously, why? Like, have you met a teenager? They're crazy. All of them. Every single one of them. They're nuts. <laughs> and you're going to power struggle with a teenager? What does that mm. say about you and your psyche and your pathology? Mm. By God, that's where your work is. And if suddenly you're in a place of going, no, you know what? Uh, sneaking out totally makes sense to me. I, mm. I totally get why you would do that. There's consequences mm. coming. And we'll talk mm. about that later. But whether or not the child is like, oh, my father is so level-headed and centered, they're never going to mm. say that, but I get to sleep. My nervous system's relaxed. Mm. I don't need three cup of coffee to get up in the morning because mm. I'm actually using the right part of my brain to parent. And that's, mm -hmm. that's such a benefit to, to what you're talking about here. That's the mm -hmm. conscious parenting. 
Mm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it is the point. The point is, is that once you begin to realize you can't make other people do anything, right? Right. And, and the whole modality of using consequences is the idea that I can, it's a mistaken concept that I can make people do things. All I can make them do is wish they had right. by the consequence that I gave them. And Marshall Rosenberg used to say, and anytime I was foolish enough to make them wish they had by punishing them, they had ways of making me wish that I hadn't. That resentment flow thing. Yeah. So we can't live in a world and pretend that doesn't exist because we know it exists. And, you know, quite possibly we've created one very, you know, horrible three R ecosystem where everybody's in reaction to everybody. I had a client recently say something to me like, well, I didn't think I was an overreaction. You know, I'm not, I'm not triggered. And I was like, really? And he, he's like, yeah. And I said, well, what do you think being triggered is? He says, well, I don't know. I guess like really, really upset. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, I have a slightly different definition. I look at being triggered as needing to prove and going into the land of needing to prove that you're right. Oh, he says, really? Well, then my whole family's in overreaction all the time. <laughs> And I was like, I agree. Yeah. And I would think that actually that's probably the case with most family systems. If you've created this dynamic is that everybody's trying to prove the other person's wrong and that they're right. No, I know what's right for me. No, you don't. I know what's right. And oh my goodness gracious, there is absolutely constant reaction going on everywhere. Everybody's in overreaction. Right. Catherine, how are parents going to find you, start to follow up with you? What kind of resources do you have from them as we come down into the last six minutes of our show? Um, let's make sure parents have all the all the ways to connect with you. Great. Yeah. So my website is ConsciousParentingRevolution.com. And if you go there, I have a free ebook. You can opt in for the ebook. And um, I think it'll help. It's got some good content. Um, it certainly is continuing the conversation we're having. Uh, I have blogs every week that I put up on the website. And so those are really good. Uh, I have a newsletter that goes out once a week as well. And so you can get on the mailing list and I have a course, which is starting. I'm in one now. Um, I have another one starting September 28th and it's a 90 day parenting reset course. Um, so that parents are able to get into a 90 day process with me where we meet every week um, I'll drop in the content. You'll get to watch the video and then we meet and have group coaching calls on Thursdays. So it's an opportunity to have the support ongoing while you're rebooting your parenting. And that means Perfect. recovering from resentment flows, which you do get to recover from. Believe it or not, you can heal a relationship. So that's the good news. I watch it all the time. I know it can happen. I know how hard it is to believe that it can actually be reset, but it can. Um, and Rome wasn't built in a day. So give yourself the bandwidth to stay in it and know that it can happen. And uh, the, the, the big five socials, I'm assuming you got them? I do. I all have right. the Facebook and the Insta and it's all there. Good, 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 good. If you go to my website, you'll see at the bottom, there's links to my LinkedIn, Facebook, Insta, and there's, there's great content every day that's put up. Thanks so much. Parents, conscious parenting revolution.com. Uh, uh, Catherine's, uh, did I say your last, your last name winter celery? 
You did it. You did great. That's a, that's such an awesome last name. It's like, have you have you had the winter celery? It's so much better than the summer celery. No, Catherine Winter so Celery. This a really great, really great episode. I want to continue it. I want to continue Me this too. conversation. So Beautiful. thank you for being on thank Beyond Risk so and much. Back. Parents, again, this is, and I cannot find someone, any expert, any doctor, any any therapist, any counselor, any social worker that does not put the mirror up in front of you before we're going to start really changing the child's behavior. It's mirrors up. And that's that's the message that's here is that you want to take care of your kid better. How's your self-care? You want, you want to become more compassionate with your children and their behavior. How's your self-compassion? And everything you've done as a parent has done two things. It's kept your kid alive. So good job. Mm-hmm. And if your kid is here, if your kid is currently with us, you've kept your kid alive. Now, if we're going to get past this, this means we have to do some different things. And that's the change you have to make. That's the reflection that needs to be shown in the mirror. There is no lecture, oratory, or conversation you can have that's going to change your child's thoughts, behaviors, actions, or results. It's going to be through modeling. It's going to be through influencing. And that comes from your behavior and your value system. And you start there, and that's a hard conversation, but I can't find anybody who disagrees with it. So I'm hoping you understand that. And as always, I want to say take care of yourself first, your adult relationship second, and your children third, because in that way, we do our best work with our kids. If you're wondering if your child needs residential care, you can contact Fire Mountain Programs at firemountainprograms.com or 303-443-3343 and talk to our admissions department and see if, if we're right for you. If it's time and if it's not, we'll tell you. You can also go to Parenting Teens That Struggle on Facebook and join that group. And I am posting things there on a daily basis to help you as much as possible. I want to give thanks to Deepin Productions, who handles all the music and sound of this amazing podcast. And parents, please give us a review on iTunes because it really does help other parents who need help find us. I will see you next week, parents. Thanks for joining.